0: Thank you, Lord. Your promise still stands. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. What if he wasn't faithful? Wow. We'd be in trouble. We've been talking about purpose. You know, um, I, uh, I wonder. I don't even know what I'm going to say. I wonder sometimes if you guys feel the same way I do. The things that I, I know I'm supposed to do, I mean, it's, it's you know the purpose for my life, and I still struggle with it. I still, you know, your kids are supposed to do this or that, but they still don't do it. Even though, even though they know they're going to get their tail whooped they still don't do it purpose i i just feel like sometimes you know uh <laughs> this is me but if I'm not doing something, now listen, I'm not talking about when I'm relaxing at home watching some binging on the Netflix or something like that. I'm not talking about that, all right? That's when you got to veg your mind or whatever. I get that, all right? But I'm talking about, in general, the things that we're doing in life. I feel like i got to add value. I feel like in the end, I'm doing something that I, that's purposeful. Anybody else feel like that? It's like I'm wasting my time if I do anything else. That's, it. that's it. <clears throat> what we've been talking about, his purpose. Each week, we've been unveiling one more of God's purposes for our life, for your life, and we've learned that God has a plan for your life. He's had a plan for your life before you existed. Um, we've learned that through this series that God has a plan for your life, and we said that he's got a plan, and I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize I didn't even do what I was made to do. What what he, what he purposed for me to do in my life, what, what I was born to do, what I was placed on this earth to do, I don't want to get to that point. So we want to make sure that we're absolutely sure that everyone knows what God wants them to do, or we could say what their purpose is in life. So the first couple of weeks, we asked the big question, what's the most important purpose of our life? And so we just looked at what Jesus said. We just said, hey, what did Jesus say? And, and so Jesus tells us, we, we went through this, he tells us to put me first. I'm the first. Put me first in your life. Uh, love me above everything else. And so we called that worship God. And then we also said the next week was, and to love people. And not to just love people, but to love people as yourself. In the next couple of weeks, we, we searched the scripture and we saw that Jesus gave us, everybody say All. He gave us all a mission. He, he, you can say it this way, he activated a mission. And so we started to break down that mission over the last couple of weeks. And so today is our third and final week of this series. Everybody say boo. <laughs> That's too loud. All right. We learned that. This building that we're sitting or standing in here today is not really the bridge, didn't we? We said that it's you and I, it's the people who make up what we call the bridge. So with each week, we've been unveiling your personal, your personal purpose, but it's also, see, the purpose of the bridge, because we are the bridge. Our purpose is to worship God, to love people, and to activate a mission, you're going to see our purpose in everything. Hopefully, everything we do. Otherwise, what do we feel like we're doing? We're wasting our time. If we're not doing things on purpose, uh, we're going to see this in everything. That we, everything that we send out, everything that we print out. Uh, 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 we are going to organize this church around the purpose. We're going to structure our ministries around. His purposes for our lives. We're going to fund and activate and, and, and all the activities around our purpose. Everything that we do is an attempt, an attempt to fulfill our purpose. And therefore to help you fulfill your purpose. So my title today is activate your mission. Activate your mission. It's about time. Don't you think that we active, you activate your mission? I mean, the, God's telling us what to do here. And, we, you know, we pray and we, we read his word and it tells us what to do. I was, talking, I was thinking about the voice of the Lord. And, and sometimes we can say things or we can sing things. And it's not really, you know, feel the weight of it as much. And I was reading something in Isaiah 66, verse 2 that really, it changed the way I'm gonna read scripture from now on, it changed the way I'm gonna read God's word. It says, my hands, whose hands? God's, he says, my hands, listen close to this one, have made both heaven and earth, my hands. They and everything in them are mine. God said they're mine. He says, I, The Lord have spoken. That's powerful. We've already talked about this before, but you think you own things? No. Everything is mine, he says. Everything. Then he goes on and he says, the one who made the heaven, the one who, uh, 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 with his hand, made the heaven and earth, and everything in is, is his. The one who's spoken here says this, I will bless. I will bless. Do you think he's able to bless? If he's able to make the heaven and the earth, is he able to bless? Come on, get with me on this one. Is he able to bless you? He says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, meaning forgiving hearts. And then he says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. God says, this is the person that I'm looking for. I'm looking for this person. I'm gonna support this. It's the one who is humble and, and forgiving in their hearts and, and, and they tremble at my word. And I began to think about this, this voice, this, his word. And what, what would it be like? What, what, is it, what would it be like this morning from, from God's perspective? He's looking for the person whose heart, who hears his, his voice and he trembles. What would it be like? Can you, can you just imagine that here this morning? What would it be like if we trembled at his word here today? I'm giving you his word. What would it be like if we trembled at his word? Just imagine that in your mind. That kind of power, that kind of uh, respect, that kind of love, that, that awe. That would be more than, I gotta tell you, more than just a deep you know, service, a deep, you know, feeling or deep study uh, or people going out here say, wow, that was really awesome. That was really moving. That was, that was so convicting, Steve, man. I I need to change because of that. I mean, what would it be like to tremble at his word? And the first thing that I think about when I think about this is, well, I hear it. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do his word. I mean, that that's what it means when you tremble at someone's word. He asks you to do something. You just do it. You do it. Listen, I gotta tell you, I don't, I know it's that we we don't hear enough of his word. I know that. There, are, I, I don't think that that's our problem in, in the churches these days. It's not, um, you know, hearing enough sermons. Um, I mean, some of you I'm guilty, listen and watch podcasts and YouTube sermons on a daily basis. Um, guys, we've never had more sermons uh, um, or access to sermons in the history of the world than we have today. We are overloaded and at, with brilliant, brilliant people explaining the word of God to us and some of them are so convicting. And yet, what's our problem? What don't, we don't have enough of it? Is that what is going on? Sermons? Or we just haven't heard the right one yet? Maybe here this morning, this sermon here today? No, it's this, it's an attitude that says, I don't really even need another sermon. I just hear his word and I tremble at his word and I go do it. Things were just so literal in the Bible days. You know, today we make everything so vague and maybe even just over spiritualize it just a little bit. But it's simple, it's very simple. You just look at His Word and you do what He says. He says something, and I don't dare disobey. I don't dare put it off until sometime later. It's just, God told me to do this. I need to, whatever I read in His Word, okay, I'm gonna go do it. When Jesus told his disciples, follow me, it was, it was literally, right? It was literally, right? They, 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 Come follow me. It's, it didn't mean, you know, follow me in your heart, you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> follow me, follow me. It wasn't they just started feeling you know, convicted or, or started crying. No, they, they just followed him. They followed him. He goes, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And now some of these people, when, they, when Jesus said that, follow me, they go, okay, well, wait, wait, one second. One second, I, I got to go say goodbye to my family. And he said, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus said, follow me. What does it mean to tremble at his word? When the son of God says, follow me, that means I don't have time to say goodbye to my wife. I I tremble at his word. Not even, let me go, the Bible says, let me go bury the dead. No, Jesus said, no, let let the dead bury themselves. Tremble at my word and follow me. It's what he said to the rich young ruler, if you remember that story when he asked this rich young dude, had everything he what, says, what, what do I need to inherit eternal life? What, what is it? That, that's a good question, isn't it? That's a question. Don't we all have that question? What, what do I need to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, sell all of your possessions. This is a rich guy. Sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. And then come, what? Follow me. Follow me. And what did the rich young ruler do? The Bible says he walked away, but he walked away sad. He walked away sad. He walked away sad, and Jesus said, oh, man, gosh, it's hard for guys like that. You know, we preach today the word of God and, and, and we walk out and, and you're sad sometimes or you're convicted sometimes. And, and we think to ourselves, oh man, that wrecked me, dude. I mean, that was, that was uh, you hit me square, Steve, on that one. That, that was a great Sunday. That wasn't a great Sunday. When you, when you walk out of here convicted and you walk out of here sad, you think Jesus you know, said to, about that guy, he said, oh, yes, he walked away convicted. He walked away sad. No, Jesus goes, oh man, it's it's hard for guys, those rich guys that enter the kingdom of heaven. They got all that stuff and then let go of it and, and really hear my voice and follow me and do whatever I say and tremble at my word. It's so hard for guys like that. He said, man, it'd be harder. He looks over and he sees this camel. He said, it'd be harder for me to grab that camel and put him through the eye of a needle, which is a little opening in Israel. And the disciples say, well, if he can't go, then, then how, how, how can we be saved? And let me stop there just for a moment in case some of you are thinking, well, whew, this is one time I'm glad I'm not rich. <laughs> how many say amen? <laughs> Did you know that the poorest the poorest, the ones that we are going to bring sandwiches to on March 10th, that are living on the streets, the poorest in America are more wealthy than the overwhelming majority of the world. Did you realize that? And that, you know what that makes you in this room? Rich. That makes you wealthy. You're the wealthiest people in the world. So the disciples say, well, how, how can we be saved? But check this out. Just a chapter later in Luke chapter 19, you see the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, he's this tax collector, and he's ripped a bunch of people off. And, and so, frankly, he's rich. I mean, just rich, very rich. And so right after Jesus says it's hard for these guys, but, it, but it's possible for the rich to inherit the eternal life, he sees Zacchaeus, this rich man. Uh, and Zacchaeus, by the way, was a very short man. Uh, and when I say short, I mean short, uh, they, they, they think. And, and so he climbs up, Zacchaeus climbs up into this tree because Jesus was coming to town. And so he climbs up this tree and, and, and so he's up in the tree and Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down, man. I, wa- I want to di- come over to your house for dinner. And, and Zacchaeus, is, he's blown away. You mean Jesus is coming to my house? And so he brings Jesus and and they eat and all this kind of stuff. And Zacchaeus kind of, he, he, he says, hey, everyone. And he gets everybody's attention. He says, listen to me. Everyone that I, I you guys know I own a lot. You guys know I'm, I'm rich. Uh, you, you guys know that I'm filthy rich and I got a lot. Half of everything that I own, I'm giving to the poor immediately. Half. And he says, the rest, I know I've stolen from you, from a lot of you. I'm gonna give you back four times whatever I took from you. I'm gonna pay you back. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, today, salvation has come into this house. Today. He said, I told you guys it's possible for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it just happened right here. Salvation came to this house. You see, now that to me is a cause for rejoicing. It, 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 it's this, it's not this walk away sad kind of, it's, that's a cause right there for rejoicing, it, it, it's, it's, it's this repentant attitude of, you know what, I'm not doing this my way, I'm doing it your way, Jesus. Someone who trembles at his word, someone who understands, wow, Jesus, what a great treasure to have him in my house, it was like Zacchaeus said, you know what? I'll give everything I've got, gladly, the Bible says, with exceeding joy. The story of Zacchaeus, it doesn't look sad or depressed. He's like, oh, man, dude, i got to give everything. What a bummer. i got to get everything away. There's nothing like that in the scripture that I read. It's more like, whoa, this is going to be worth it. This is This is awesome. And so I think here today, what would would honor God this morning? Like literally, what would honor him based on what we know in his word? And I think it's that Zacchaeus type attitude that I'm talking about here. But here's what I don't want, because we're talking about purpose here today. I don't want you walking out here this morning and say, man, I, I, I don't make disciples and feel this conviction that, that comes over you. Well, what a terrible person I am. No, I'd rather the kind of joy that Zacchaeus had that says, wait a minute, you mean I get to be used by God to, to make disciples? I mean, hey, listen, where do I sign up for that? I, what, what do I need to give up to do that? I need to do this thing. And that's what Ezekiel was talking about when he's talking about the Holy Spirit would, would, would do in your heart. It would, it would come into us and it would make us actually make us want, make us desire to follow his commands. And so I'm hoping that we leave here today with that type of feeling, with that type of, that type of attitude. Um, Jesus made it real simple. He just looked at James and John and he said, "Hey guys, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men." He says, "Follow me. I will make you. I'm going to turn you into fishers of men. And trust me, I can do it." He, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." You might say, "How, how am I going to influence other people?" That I, that I live around, that I work with. How am I gonna do that? How am I going to, to make disciples? Jesus promised, he said, follow me and I might help you do this. No, he says, I will. I will make you fishers of men. And so these men, what do they do? They end up following him for three and a half years. Jesus pours his life into them. He makes them into uh, disciples, and he dies uh, on this cross, and then he 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 raises from the dead, and then he says, "Go, go make disciples. I told you that I made I'd make you fishers of men. I spent three years doing that. Uh, so now, now now go make disciples of all nations, and I'll be with you always to the end of age. And so it's real simple here." Guys, if you think about his plan, when Jesus first came onto the scene, we had the Life of Christ series here. Um, He first comes on the scene, the very first thing he rolls up on these guys, and, and, and from the very beginning to the very end, his message was the same, follow me. The very first thing he starts off with is, follow me, I'll make you fishermen. Then he demonstrates For three and a half years, what discipleship looks like, what it it looks like to make disciples. And then he rises from the dead and he goes and he says, now, you guys, what I just taught you, go do that. Go make disciples. And Paul says, look, later on, he says, look, these things that I teach you and trust to reliable men, we'll teach others. And see, that's what it's all about is to teach each other how to do this. It's pretty simple guys I keep saying that I want to read to you and break this verse down this this script this yeah this scripture down the great commission I want to read to you in verse 18 it says Jesus came and said to them Did you guys miss that? I think you did. Because we 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 read this throughout the new testament all the time don't we jesus came and he said this and you know jesus came and he said that right we see it all the time but this this is huge because he was dead just a few days ago he was dead i mean this is a shocking stunning moment right here it's one thing for me to be up here speaking to you guys, but it's another thing when you know somebody who just died, and all of a sudden he comes walking up here on the stage and starts talking to you. How, how much are you going to listen to that guy? I think I'm gonna be, I might be trembling at that voice. I mean, it might be crazy. My dad's been gone for to, over 26 years, and if he would walk up here, Walter, I would be hinging on every word that he said. And trust me, whatever he said, I'd be doing it. I'd be hinged on everything that he said. And so here's someone that they saw him die. They, they, they watched him die. They Actually, they saw him buried. And now he walks out in front of them, like on stage, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Huh. He goes, every ounce of authority. Think about that statement just for a minute. A man rises from the dead and says, every ounce of authority in heaven and earth is right here. And I'm gonna tell you something. All eyes are on that dude. I mean, I don't care what your mom says. I don't care what the president says. I don't care what the king says or the kings or I don't care what the police say. I don't care what anybody else says. All eyes are right there. I'm looking, I'm not looking anywhere else. I'm not thinking about what I'm having for lunch that day. I'm not, I'm not worried about my schedule for this next. Every ounce of authority in heaven, an angel could pop on your, your shoulder and say, hey, Steve, I want you to do this. Forget him. Forget him. Because I just rose from the dead. Every ounce of authority is right here. Man, you talk about an intro to a statement a man rises from the dead and says, I have every ounce of authority that exists. Therefore, wow, what's he gonna say? What's so important? Whatever he's about to say, if he said eat a whole cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, I'd do it. If he said eat a whole carrot cake from Cheese Factory, I would do it. Lord, just please, You just go, whatever he's going to say right now, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And you know what? It's a big deal if you don't. Right? For those of you who are in school, your teacher gives you an assignment. It's a big deal not to do it. Oh, here's a book. For you read, I need you to, after you read this book, I need you to write this thing, you know, um, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> or, or, or your boss at work, you know, gives you an assignment and says, hey, get this done by the end of the week, Steve. Nah, yeah, nah. Like, like, that's a big deal, isn't it? We don't even dare do that to our teacher or to our employer, do we, Katrina? To the teacher? <laughs> Those of you, principal, I mean, they don't do that, do they? <laughs> That's a big deal if, you're, if you neglect, if, you, if, you, if you're going against that. We don't dare do that. Now you have the Son of God risen from the dead and saying, I have every ounce of authority right now, and, and, and I'm about to tell you something. So we need to tremble at his word. So whatever he says, I don't dare disregard it. He rose from the dead in every ounce of authority. I don't have to question anything. I don't have to ask anyone else's opinion, what they they want to say about my life or whatever, because all authority is right here in front of us. And it's all, and I got to listen to this. And so here's what he says in his statement in verse 19. He says, for all this buildup, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations go therefore. What's he talking about here? It's pretty simple, but you know what? It's something that people try to weave around. They try to get around it. They try to do everything they can not to have to do it. Isn't it? Am I telling the truth? It's pretty obvious here. It's a small group of disciples on a mountain. Jesus says, meet me there. I got something I want to tell you. And all authority has been given to me. Now go make disciples of all nations, what was he telling them to do? Go reach the people that haven't been reached yet. Go reach your neighbor. Go reach your, in your community. Go reach your, your coworker. Go reach your friends. Go reach those people that haven't heard. You guys just saw me rise from the dead. These people haven't heard that. They didn't see that. I just spent three years with you and explaining and showing you how to do all this. They didn't get that. I mean, isn't it obvious right here that when Jesus told them to go make disciples of all nations, in this particular situation, he wasn't telling them, okay, I want you guys to kind of all gather up into small groups. Gather up into small groups and meet me on here on this mountain and we're gonna, we're gonna pull together and we're gonna disciple each other. That's not the Great Commission. It's not. That's not what he rose from the dead to tell him. He was saying, you gotta get this out to the people that haven't heard it. I want you to get this out all the way to the ends of the earth, he said. It was a clear evangelistic command to us. I'm sorry I'm screaming and hollering. I'm I'm just, this is important to me. He goes, man, I need you to go. And look, listen, this is the hardest thing. This is the hardest things to do in the Christian life, to have the boldness to go to people and talk about Jesus, especially here in America, where all they say, you know, yeah, I've heard about that guy, you know, <laughs> I get it. And it's difficult. This is something that I struggle with even as a pastor, trying to find not only the time, but find the courage to do this, trying to make this the center of my life. So here's what I think to myself. This is a command. This is the mission that he's given me in my life. That This is my purpose. I have to go. I got to have this as part of my life. I can't just fool myself into think, well, I spent about 20 something hours putting together a sermon. That's kind of making disciples, isn't it? Listen, don't misunderstand me. I, I've taught you guys, even in this series, how important it is to get, have small groups, get connected into small groups, and, and to hear sermons and to read the Bible. I'm not saying small groups and sermons, don't go out of there thinking this, aren't important to the body of Christ. I'm not saying that, that we should stop doing that kind of stuff. That's very, very vital to what we're doing. I'm just saying that making disciples here in, in, in Matthew 20 is about getting to the lost, And that's not always the most enjoyable thing to do, is it? Boy, crickets. I get it. I'll preach to the lost. I got no problem getting before a crowd and preaching the gospel to unbelievers. But it's uncomfortable talking to the stranger and bringing up the topic of Jesus, right? The problem is that pastors can... Easily say, oh, it's the people's job to kind of do that. You know, they they bring him in and I'll preach to them and all that kind of stuff. And the people in the church go, you know what? I'm not the preacher. So the pastor, Steve, if you don't mind, to come to my work or you know, come to my friend's house or come talk to my buddy, because I don't know, I'm afraid they're gonna have questions that I don't have answers to. And then what's gonna happen? So you've got the pastor saying, Oh, that's the people's job, and the people saying that's the pastor's job, and so no one's making disciples. Let's just face it and say, this is tough. It's hard. It's hard. I hate talking to strangers about things like, you know, I hate being rejected. And enough of this stuff saying, hey, where where we go, you know, I wasn't given that gift. I wasn't given the gift of evangelism. Let's just be honest with each other and say, you know what? I'm bad at it. But you know what? I, I just can't ignore it either. We need to, here's what we need to do. We need to help each other. Help each other uh, get through this, walk through this thing with each other and pray for our courage for one another. And, and, and look, at, look at Peter and John. Uh, they're the boldest people to speak about the, the gospel of Christ. The, the boldest. And, and, and they just get out of prison because they were preaching about Jesus. And, and they, what do they do? They go get a bunch of believers and they say, Pray for me, I need more courage. If, if they need it, I think we need it. Paul tells the Ephesians, he goes, hey, pray for me. I need to be able to preach boldly when I speak. I need to speak boldly like I should. That's Paul asking for prayer. He's going, I, 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 I'm not bold enough. I need prayer. And then we go into Acts chapter four, where they're, where they're actually, the whole place starts shaking. Can you imagine that? The whole place is shaken when they're praying for what? Boldness. That's what they were doing. They were praying for boldness. And they walk out of there and they were even more bold to share the gospel. And this was a regular part of their routine. This is what they did. This was their purpose. This was this is our purpose. But it's easy just to ignore all of this and and come up with excuses and come up with other things, even good things. Even good things but we don't want to neglect the main work, the main part of our mission. So let's be honest and say, hey, look, there's a million other things I'd rather do than this. It's hard. But Jesus, but Jesus came and he said, go make disciples of all nations. That means we don't just teach people to memorize his word. No, we teach people to tremble at his word. We're teaching you to read a verse and then we go do it. We teach it and then we go do it. We teach, we go do it. We can't just keep filling our heads with knowledge of God without without obeying. Otherwise, it's just head knowledge and we're not doing anything. We're not actually obeying. We're not actually doing. And then we come to finally the great promise at the end of this verse, at the end of this this, um, mission. In verse 20, Jesus says again, and behold, hang on here, guys. I'm gonna be with you Always. Everybody say always. always. Even until the end of the age. Wow. How important is that statement? That Jesus is with you. Now, here's the important part as. Everybody say, as. As, as you go and make disciples. He'll be with you as you go and make disciples. He said, he would be with us as we make disciples. Now, we've talked about this before, many of us. We come to the bridge so that we can, well, we can worship God and, and have this great feeling, uh, feel him here at the service like we did today, feel him be with us. Yet Jesus said, you want to experience me? Go make disciples. And I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. You want to experience the Holy Spirit? He said, I'll give you power. What for? What for? What will he give you power for? To be my witness, he said. To be my witness. This is what the Holy Spirit is about. It's not about us feeling him or feeling good and all this kind of stuff in this room. It's more about when you're out there taking a risk. And you're making disciples. So, what do we do next? All I know to do is let's do what Jesus did. Let's go look for some people. That might be embarrassing, it might be a little, you know, fearful. It may not feel so good. But go, let's go look for some people. Let's go make some disciples. Your mission, guys, is the same, regardless of where you're at in the world, is to invite people into God's family. Listen, we've just started on a neat tool here that we can give you to help you invite people to know Jesus and to introduce them into the bridge. And that's coming. We have a team that's working on that. But for today, I've given you a handout. I hope you've got your handout. I'd like for you, if you don't have your handout, raise your hand. Let somebody, um, um, one of our guest services, get you a handout. You need a handout. Um, I would like for you to write down the names of six people. How many of you here today could say that you were influenced to come to Jesus or to the bridge by somebody else? Raise your hand. I would think that's everybody. Somehow you found out about this, right? They invited you or told you about it. That's, I believe it's 100%. I want to tell you something. You're, you're, you're potentially going to heaven because somebody cared enough to tell you. Did you get that? Somebody cared enough. They got over themselves enough to share with you. They cared about you enough to step beyond that and ask you and invite you. And I wanna ask you something. Who have you cared enough to tell? Who are you taking to heaven with you? If you just have, you know, listen, if you just have this vague idea uh, in your mind of these people and everything, you're not gonna get, it's not gonna happen. You need to get specific I want you to write down the names of six people that you wanna to take to heaven with you. They may be your friends, they may be your family, they may be your coworkers, whatever. They're, they're people that you care about. They're people that you, you, you can invite to church and you can share the good news with. Keep this thing with you. When you write it down, keep it with you. Laminate it, do whatever you gotta do to keep it in your pocket, keep, some, keep it with you, in your purse, whatever. I bet you probably know some people There are so many that that would come if you would just just ask them, the worship team, if they would come. Do you think you might know one or a few people? I bet you do. When you leave today, we're going to give you a window sticker for your car. This is going to do a few things for us. One thing, hopefully it's going to make safer roads. Safer to drive. Because I don't want you driving like maniacs with the window, with the sticker on your car. The other thing Dan told me to tell you is that we're only going to give it to the one, I said, let's only give it to the ones that really are going to put it on their car, okay? Because we only have so many of them. Then we'll hand out more as you need them. But he said, I'm just going to go ahead and go out and, and put them on every car windshield in the front. That'll be sort of your parking pass to get into the bridge. And, uh, so I, I, I told him, go ahead. No, but I think this might open some doors. You know, somebody might say to you, Hey, what's that sticker about? What's that all about? Maybe something that you can, it opens a door for you to invite somebody to the church the world is far more ready for an invitation than we're ready to invite. And I gave you six, six, name, six spaces for six names, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm gonna start a new series next week that I believe God has been dealing with me about. I believe he's been working on me, not for me. Well, everything's for me, but I feel like it's for, 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 for the bridge. He's placed it on my heart, and I want you to bring an unchurched friend to the bridge each of the next several weeks between now and Easter. In the series, I'm going to call this to be at large, meaning free, just broken up, broken out. And we're going to look at how to break free from what's out of control Man, isn't this world this week? This world is out of control with anger. I'm going to talk about procrastination. I'm going to talk about competition. I'm going to talk about probably addiction. I'm going to talk about some of these things. Do you know anybody that might need to break away from that life and want to be at large? Free? Write down their names here and pray and say, you know, God, give me the opportunity to invite them. I want you to invite a friend to each of these services. Call them, text them, buy them dinner, whatever you got to do, get them here. (laughs) It's always nice to have break bread with somebody and then just, you know, put her bumper sticker on her window or something. For the next several weeks, I want you to invite these friends to come be with you. You know what? Eternity, eternity is in the balance here. If every one of you would invite one and they all came, we'd double the number of people that we introduced Jesus to and share the gospel to And Before long, we'd make a dent in this city. Now you can sit on the sidelines and do nothing and wait this one out. It's your will. You can do it. Or you can get involved. How many of your friends need to break loose from what's out of control in their lives? And really, guys, you know, we're we're not guaranteed another week. I'm saying bring them next week. We're not guaranteed that. We're not guaranteed that. We're not guaranteed next month anything. Some of you have been procrastinating to tell somebody about Jesus for months and maybe even years and you still haven't done it. How much longer do you think you're going to get? enough to write down some names and start inviting them and then contact them and seize the opportunity. Guys, I end with this. Seize the opportunity to fulfill your purpose in your life. How awesome is it going to be to show up at the gates of heaven with people that you brought into heaven. Let's sing. Be still my heart and know God alone Stop thinking so much Just let go